The European Union is preparing to update significantly its current data protection regulation. But what privacy, data breach, and data security changes are being discussed, and how must organizations that do business in Europe respond? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Managing Editor for Europe for Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Jackie Wagner, Managing Director with PwC's Data Protection and Privacy Practice. Thanks for joining me, Jackie. Hi, thank you. Happy to speak with you. What is the impetus that you're seeing for the EU pursuing an update of its general data protection regulation? I would say there's a couple of reasons driving this. Firstly, when you look at the history of data protection laws across Europe, those laws stem from the EU directive that was passed in 1995, almost 20 years ago. Now, clearly the world has changed in the last 20 years. Clearly technology has changed in the last 20 years. And there are so many different ways today in which personal information can be collected and used that it's pretty clear that the laws that were in place currently just haven't been able to keep up with technological advancements. So I would say that's clearly one of the big driving forces behind this is just really to bring the laws and regulations really better aligned into the environment that we're operating in today. The second point on that is Part of the original goal for the Data Protection Directive was around trying to harmonise the laws across Europe and bring about a consistent level of data protection within the EU. Now, the reality in terms of how that's played out is these laws do have nuances. They're implemented differently across the region and they're interpreted and enforced differently by the various regulatory authorities as well. So while there was a goal around harmonisation, that really hasn't come to bear. I believe another key driver behind this is really get to a point where there is a consistent level of data protection across Europe and consistent enforcement. Has that been creating problems for businesses, countries harmonizing these laws in different ways? That's got to be confusing. It's an incredibly challenge for any multinational that operates in multiple jurisdictions within the EU. There's no question because, again, the nuances of the law are quite different. So perhaps something that might be acceptable in the UK. It's slightly different in France or in Germany. And similarly, the position that the regulators take can vary as well. So that does become incredibly challenging for business when you're operating in multiple jurisdictions. And again, I think that's one of the upsides of this new regulation is that will do away with a lot of that and really bring a level of consistency. And at least from that perspective, make it simpler for business. You had mentioned the regulation being written 20 years ago, obviously, is going to be out of date with what we're seeing today. Are there any particular pain points with the businesses that you work with as they're trying to figure out how the data privacy regulations apply to the kinds of data they're working with? Yeah, I think a lot of it just really comes about with the fact that these laws are, even though they were written 20 years ago, they're quite onerous and they're quite prescriptive in terms of the requirements and how they apply to organizations. And that can just be incredibly challenging to try and interpret that and apply that within a business context context, again, because the world has changed so much. You know, we have data in so many different places now, engaging with third parties, data moving cross-country borders. Information's not static anymore, and it's moving and changing all the time. But just even the complexity of some of these laws can just be really hard to apply in today's current environment. It's not as if there's just one or two particular pain points within the law itself. I think it's just the broad notion of how do you apply these laws in an environment where data is being collected and used and manipulated and changed so much 
and by so many different entities. It just can become incredibly challenging. And so the EU is discussing reforming its data protection regulation. Is there any indication of how quickly that process might happen? Because we're still at a draft version currently, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, the draft was originally put forth in 2012. We're now nearing the end of 2014, and it's very much still hotly debated and discussed. The current thinking is that there is a vote in October of this year that the hope is that the regulation will be passed at that vote. And our current understanding is that if the regulation is passed then, there will be a two-year window for companies to come into compliance. So that would then bring us to sort of the tail end of 2016 with a compliance date. So at least that's our current understanding. Of course, that can change. But at least right now, the thinking is a vote in October of this year and then an implementation date of 2016. Given what's in the draft regulations currently, what I've heard is that more businesses will have to comply with these regulations than previously. I don't know if that's accurate or if businesses of different sizes will have some differing aspects of this that they will have to comply with. Can you break it out perhaps for large and small companies and what they might be expecting? Sure. Actually, your point is correct in terms of just the broad scope of the law. So again, if we contrast this to the current laws in place within Europe. The current laws apply to the notion of a data controller, which is essentially the organisation that's collecting information and makes decisions around how that information will be used. So that's the extent of the application of the current law. What this new law does is bring in a number of other parties and entities under the scope of the law as well. So there's a notion in the current laws today around being a data processor, which is essentially an entity that's acting at the direction of the data controller and processing data under their direction and in certain ways. Now today, those activities of the processor are really caught just through contractual measures and the contracts that are enforced by the controller. In this new regulation, they're actually going to be directly regulated by the law. So just if you're a service provider type entity and your business is purely around processing personal data on behalf of other organisations, you will now be directly regulated by this law. The other significant change and that I think will have wide ranging impact is the fact that at least the laws today apply only to entities that are established in the EU. Whereas now the draft regulation pulls in entities that are targeting goods or services to citizens in Europe. So that's very different, right? You could be a purely US-based website with no physical operations in Europe, but because you're selling goods or targeting services to a European citizen, you're now directly regulated by this law. So that then can also clearly pull in small entities as well, because again, you could be just a small online business that just happens to attract a customer base from Europe. You'll now get pulled in. One of the promises that the politicians who are advancing the new data regulation has been that it's going to cut related compliance time and costs for businesses, in part based on what you'd said in terms of trying to do away with these differing harmonizations, but create one law across all of Europe. On the flip side, however, you're saying that there are a lot more businesses that are going to need to comply. Is it possible for us to say that the burden may be decreased on the people who have to comply right now, but increased on these organizations that have not yet had to comply with this law? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I would say certainly there are going to be many organisations that have probably not really thought about these laws in Europe before that are going to be directly regulated, there's no question. One could debate the notion of whether it's going to reduce the burden for companies that are currently caught. Now certainly again this notion of the harmonisation across Europe will make things simpler from an operational standpoint. But there are also a lot of new and incremental requirements that are built into the law or the draft regulation right now that organisations will need to put in place policies and processes to be able to address that. So maybe over time it will simplify things but certainly there's going to be a period of ramping up and putting in place mechanisms to meet the new requirements. What are some of those new requirements? I believe one is at the moment going to be a breach notification, mandatory notification of some type. That's right. It's quite interesting. And again, I think it speaks to the notion of the fact that so many of the laws in Europe have been around for quite some time. The current laws today don't have any explicit requirement around notifying either regulators or individuals if there's been some sort of breach of their personal information. And breach can be quantified in a number of different ways. So even some sort of unauthorized access or disclosure to that information. There's no requirement today to tell anybody about that with in the current European laws, which is actually quite different to what we see in the US, where we've seen over the last several years, most of the states in the US pass notification laws that require explicit notification if an individual's data has been breached. So that's clearly a significant change in the proposed regulation around the fact that entities will have a requirement to notify both the regulator, but also the impacted individual, should there be a potential breach of their personal information. Now that can make it mean a significant impact to the organisation, right? Because you need to then have in place processes to be able to identify a breach, go through the appropriate investigation and due diligence to actually understand what the cause was so that you can provide reasonable notification to a regulator and an individual. So that's certainly going to have a significant impact in terms of how companies need to respond. And there could be a big learning curve there based on what we've seen with all the breaches, for example, in the retail sector in the US. Some companies seem to have been prepared and some seem not to have been prepared. No question. No question. And I think that's one of the biggest points of contention with this law as well, is that the ramifications for a breach are clearly significant, not just in the financial impact, but clearly the reputational impact as well. And we've seen that play out here in the US. So that's definitely going to have a significant impact. What about the provision that companies of a certain size will need to put a data protection officer in place? What's involved with that? This again is back to your notion of trying to ease some of the administrative burden because again under today's laws there are a number of different requirements around companies notifying their various regulators and supervisory authorities filing certain paperwork, filing registrations and so forth. And part of the reason for bringing in this notion of applying a data protection officer was to do away with some of that administrative burden and take away that responsibility to do those filings and submit those notifications to the authority. And essentially, some of the requirements around having a DPO in place are if the entity is processing data of more than 5,000 individuals. So again, to your point about small 
business, it probably doesn't take a lot between your employee base and your customer base to get to a point where you're processing data of more than 5,000 people. That's a pretty low threshold. In terms of the requirements for a data protection officer, and this again is language from the draft of the regulations, they need to be an expert in data protection law and practice. They need to be independent and report directly to management. And interestingly enough, they need to be appointed for a four-year term and they cannot be dismissed for convenience. So it's quite specific in the draft regulation already in terms of some of the requirements around that particular role. I think especially what companies are going to challenge with is this notion of the role not being conflicted because there are a number of places where it would seem logical to place a function like this maybe within general counsel or within legal or within the compliance department. But one could argue is that a truly independent function to place this role. So I think this is one area where we we're going to see a lot of companies struggling with, firstly, A, finding a qualified person, and then B, where do you functionally put that role so they have the independence and the autonomy to do what they need to do. That sounds like a huge challenge as a logistical matter. Finding someone who's culturally compatible with the organization for four years is also no mean feat, never mind all of these roles and responsibilities. Absolutely. And it's interesting, one of the exceptions in the law is that you can actually outsource this function. So that might actually be an option for a lot of companies. Again, depending on the, the size and scope of the company, because conceivably it's not necessarily a full-time role. And if it's not a full-time role, again, this notion of conflict, right? Does the role conflict with the other hats that the person wears? So I think clearly the notion of being able to outsource this role is probably going to end up being an attractive option for many companies. To consulting companies, for example, or auditors, I would imagine we'll see a services market come up to speed on this pretty quickly. I would imagine so. And again, I think part of that also gets back to the fact that there's limited skills in this area as well. And when the law uses words such as expert, there's going to definitely need to be an increase in the market of professionals that can hold themselves out to be experts in this area. There's talk that the right to be forgotten could be built into this next version of the General Data Protection Regulation. What's your perspective on that? It's a great question. As it's currently drafted in the law, there is this notion of the right to be forgotten, or as it's now being called, the right to erasure. And essentially, it's around giving individuals a right to date that they no longer want their data to be processed or stored by the entity. Now that on the surface seems somewhat reasonable, but when you think through the implications of that, that could be significant and wide ranging, again, depending on the nature of the organization, depending on the kinds of information that they collect and just the depth and breadth of the information that they have. There are real practical reasons in terms of being able to implement something like that. And also there's probably many valid public interests and other reasons why actually it doesn't make sense to erase that data. Part of how that's been tempered within the draft regulation is that it's not an absolute right that the individual has. If there are legitimate reasons for an entity to continue to maintain that data, they're well within their rights to do so. As an example, there might be other laws that actually compel them to have to keep that information. For example, in an HR context, you might have laws that say you need to keep HR records for a certain period of time. So they've tried to sort of temper that and recognize that there are other legitimate business and legal reasons 
why an entity needs to maintain information. But I still think this is one of those areas that it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out in practice and just trying to find that right balance between the individual's right, but then also what's reasonable and appropriate for the company to have to do. Jackie, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm Matthew Schwartz with Information Security Media Group.